This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number 24, featuring Michael Kingsbaker. I'm really excited to share this episode because Michael is a New York-based actor of the stage and screen, and he's a founding member and co-artistic director of the Shelter Theater Company, a company that has been great to me and I've been very happy to get involved with over the past year and really inspired me and is just it's really a shelter for a lot of theater artists uh, actors writers directors um, just all kinds of theater and acting artists Um, we had a great time talking I'm glad to know him I'm glad to call him a friend through the shelter he did a reading of his newest play the Invisible Net. Um, he also has a couple of other projects coming out, which I'll let you know about um, as they happen in the future. But um, yeah, I had a great time talking with Mike. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Um, so without further ado, this is Michael Kingsbaker. Let's have a conversation. Let's do it. Michael Kingsbaker, how you doing? <clears throat> doing good, man. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Thanks for coming, bro. Yeah. It's, how many episodes now? Um, I released episode 23 um, yesterday, um, or, or today. Um, and yeah, I usually have try to have at least four in the can, four to eight at any time. Um, and that's been good because you'll have like five or you know six in the, and you're like oh i'm kind of ahead and then if i don't do any interviews one week then all of a sudden it's down to like you know two to four and it's like oh okay it's still i mean that's a lot the consistency i mean that's that's how you get things done yeah it's it's been good for me too like uh just kind of focusing just in general um doing the doing the podcast consistently has kind of helped me focus and be more consistent in um other aspects including shelter theater company well and like anybody that like listens to podcasts like anyone who's listening you listen to them to kind of get inspired and and hear what other artists are doing and so you're obviously having to listen to people you know yeah. twice a week and, and and meeting new creative people pushing you to go talk to new people and and and, and find new things and that, that that has to just be inspiring yeah definitely um it's like inspiring for sure and then also like i'm pretty critical and even though like i went through it kind of in a very unorthodox way but i'm critical with like the cost of higher education and kind of the education system in general yeah me too um, yeah but on the flip side i also think and I'm learning now for myself kind of the importance of um, creating and it can be unorthodox but still creating some types of like structures in your life Um, also for like accountability Um, yeah and the thing with like college 
Um, I think um, I think it can be good. It's just when we universalize anything, I think it becomes problematic. You know, yeah. Not everyone learns the same way. Not everyone needs to go through the same type of thing. Some people know exactly what they want to do and probably need something more focused or trade school type things. And, yeah. And um, and some people need room and space to kind of you know some people should just go travel the world. Yeah. I get the sense like you and me kind of went down similar paths. Of, like I didn't even go to college. I, yeah, I, I moved out to Los Angeles when I was like seventeen. Yeah, I yeah similar. I did go back to school when I was um, twenty four, um, and it's one of those things. On the one hand, I think it was good. On another hand, like I definitely racked up some debt because of it, um, and. I think like being immersed for that period of time with that group of people was kind of good for me to kind of, it gave me more of a balance than I had before, just like in myself. Well, it's interesting when you go back to school at say like 24, you yeah. kind of, you're in a different mind state than when you are at 18 and, and, and you're, you're choosing to go to school because you want to go to school. You know, yeah. you want to learn something. I went back for a couple of years. I mean... <laughs> I think I was like 22 and mainly because my dad worked for the airlines and I needed to like be in school to maintain yeah. like flight privileges. But in California has a great like uh, the, the junior colleges uh, you, you, back then it was like $15 a unit or something like yeah. that. You do a real affordable. So I, I probably have about an associate's degree, but not really. Yeah. And it's, it's, the degree, like for acting specifically and a lot of arts like it's so like the degree is irrelevant period like um i guess the only thing like if you go the grad school route and you wanted to teach that's like where it gets a little bit different but still like if you like if you did enough things in your career you could still like they'd still want you to teach like yeah, it's those you run those catch twenty twos, and it's interesting difference the West Coast and the East Coast a little bit. You know, uh, in California, they they really don't care where you went or what you studied or anything like that. It's more about what you've done. Yeah, uh, and it could be some really trash stuff, but it's like, oh, you oh you did a soap opera or whatever. You know what I mean? You were and uh, here on the East Coast, I definitely think education plays a you know. Uh, a, a bigger factor so I, I i'd often get insecure out here you know because it's like so where'd you go to school what did you you know and then there were times where i've thought about going to grad school or something like that but then i don't have even a bachelor's to like so you know i think you're doing pretty good man um and like the shelter theater company that's been so great like to me like as an artist to be able to be and find that community um through you like i think it's top notch um <laughs> like i've anybody who's like an actor writer director any kind of you know something combo in that like i try to tell them like hey man like there's this really solid group and solid resource um where you can bring in work and put it in front of people um who are doing really good work 
so who like are doing good work and can give you good feedback from a place of like experience and and a certain level of talent a lot of times like that's impressive you know well thanks a lot man no, i appreciate it it's good having you down there and um yeah um it, it community's huge and um and i mean part of you know even with that that idea of like grad schools and those type of things it, you know there's obviously places where writers can try to get into usually it's like some sort of submission and you write a little artist statement and then you submit and then you get in or you don't get in and if you don't get in you don't get like any notes yeah no one's telling you what's wrong with your script or whatnot and um so to have a place that like kind of anyone can go to was kind of important to us and that comes with pros and cons but uh you know that we just have an open door and it's come on down and uh you can get feedback if you want it you don't have to and um and 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 generally the people there are super sharp super compassionate um really smart and um yeah it's it's been a good thing seeing it grow evolve and you know over the years it's uh, been going 10 years now or we'll be celebrating 10 years next year gotcha yeah and um so yeah it started you know there was a few of us in an acting class we were studying over uh with uh at uh, t shriver studios we a bunch of us were actually in a class with this woman sally dunn and it was an amazing class you know, one of those, I think most people have kind of been in some of these classes where it's just like, everybody in it's good, you know, you're constantly like trying to show up and push everybody and, and uh, you know, just kind of a magical class and a lot of us really bonded there. And then uh, Sally stopped teaching. She ended up kind of just running the, the office there. I, I think she was having, like, her parents uh, were getting sick and so she was pulling back from teaching. So then the class got disbanded, you know, and we all ended up in in different classes and we started studying with Terry, but we were all in sort of different classes. And um, and I remember just kind of being at a point where I was like, you started paying attention even, you were listening to Terry, you were listening to these people, but I wanted to hear what my friends were saying too. A lot of times their feedback was just as important. And um, I was like, why don't we just do our own thing? You know, at some point, like, let's just, let's see what we have to figure out. You know, we, we've we learned some craft, we've learned some things from some people, and, and let's figure out what we have to bring to the table. Maybe we can find an approach of our own. You know, I think early on I was, like, very moved by, like, uh, you know, group theater and, and some of these things of, uh, you know, people kind of finding new forms and starting this, you know, I think the ambition level is pretty high. And I remember even hearing about the, the, the group theater people going to meet uh, with Stanislavski in Russia. And they were like, yeah, we want to do what you do. You know, so we're here to learn. We want to do what you do back in New York. And he kind of was like, well, you can't. Right. And they're like, well, no, I mean, we're going to learn. We're going to do it back in New York. He's like, yeah, but it's going to be different. Mm -hmm. I drink vodka. You drink whiskey. You know, yeah. you listen to jazz. I listen to whatever. And, uh. So about taking those things and then, you know, kind of branching out to try to find your way of approach. And so 
Um, and so then we started doing that, you know, just kind of had this weekly thing. I remember I, Dave jokes about it somewhere, you know, I sent out some impassioned email about art and what, what, <laughs> and, uh, and we started gathering at like the basement of the Gene Frankel theater. And, uh, and early on there was probably like, you know, six, seven of us that were coming consistent. We were doing some scene study. Maybe some people were doing some writing and stuff, but it was pretty actor-based early on. And then it was like, and we keep we kept telling people to come, and, you know, some people were like, oh. And, uh, and I think we took, like, that summer off a little bit. And then, uh, and then I had talked to um, Gail, who runs the Gene Frankel, and she offered me two free nights at theater if we wanted to put something up. And so uh, it was like we were coming back in the fall. I was like, bring everyone in the fall. Like, we got to do this or we're not going to do it, you know. And a bunch of people showed up. And I was like, we got these two free nights at theater. We should put something up. Why don't we everybody write a play? And uh, But I hate, like, nights of plays that are, like, disjointed, you know, like nothing makes sense. So I was like, so we need a theme. We need a – and someone came up with the idea of uh, – 3.56 a.m., like, all the plays take place at 3.56 in the morning. We decided, like, in a apartment building in the Lower East Side. And so everyone wrote, we ended up with, like, nine plays. And I was like, we won't do an intermission because people will leave halfway after they <laughs> see their friends. So we, like, just trapped them in the Gene Frankel for, like, two and a half hours. My friends that smoked hated me. Um, and, and that was, like, the start. And that's kind of like the model of like what we do as peep shows right. now. Yeah. Uh, these short plays. And, um, but that was the jump. And it was like, oh, we can actually create some stuff. And, uh, and it was good. And uh, real lo-fi early on. And um, we just kind of kept that, that thing going with some different prompts. And then people started coming. Every time we did a show, then somebody else was like, what is this thing? Oh, I want to be a part, you know, and. 10 years later. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's something like my early observation and kind of thought on just going to the Sunday workshops was the thing of like when, when I started wanting to get back to acting like a couple years ago, I was like, all right, the first thing I'm going to do is take an acting class for a few months just because it had been a few years and just kind of see where I was at. And that's good. And I believe on the one hand, um, constantly honing your craft is always good. On the other hand, I feel like um, I've definitely seen and you can, it like it's a trap I've seen some actors fall in in a way where um, you end up being a professional class taker and one, like, I think also in New York, um, where money and time are at a premium and the cost of everything is high, um, you have to figure out, like, where you're, where you're putting your money and your time. Um, and class also is, like, tends to be expensive. And to me, if it's kind of a general acting class, like, I think it's still good to work with different teachers from time to time, just to kind of you know, get mm -hmm. some new perspective on things, uh, put some new tools in your box. But for me, I think one of the best things 
one of the most important things in acting class um, is always the peer-to-peer stuff. In addition, like the teacher's good and they kind of set the tone a lot of times, but some of the best notes you get are oftentimes also from your peers. And so having the resource of the Sunday workshop is kind of, it's like a self-governed acting slash writing slash directing workshop. It's super valuable resource, you know? It's been huge for us. I mean, in that fact, like the consistency of that has helped keep everything else going. Yeah. We meet every Sunday, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a family dinner. And, uh, and so that, that, without that, a lot of the other stuff we do wouldn't have the possibility to happen. But to your point about like professional class takers and, you know, it's easy to fall in those traps and I sort of like, you know, there's some audacity to like starting what we did, you know, because I look back and thinking like, you know, I don't know how much we really knew, but you know, it was like, oh, you know, we don't need teachers anymore. You know, right. and it's like, I don't know about that, but at some point you kind of have to be, you know, you that is like that, the that Roosevelt quote, you know, of getting in the arena mm-hmm. and kind of like finding out where you're at. Um, cause, and, and then I think it's important, you know, it's, it's a sort of balance thing. You have to keep kind of going back and, and finding people to learn from and places to be inspired. You know, since then I've, you know, I, I went and did a two year, uh, Meisner training, with Maggie Flanagan. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? You continue to come in and I met her doing this, uh, labyrinth, uh, you know, intensive ensemble on, and, um, you know, and just continue to meet people. And when I do meet somebody that I have somebody like, Oh, I got something to learn here to, you know, go recognize you got something to learn right. and go learn it. And then, yeah, you, you, at some point you got to try to apply these things. And I see a lot of people in class too. They don't realize that they're in class for themselves. You know, you, you can run into the trap of like, trying to please the teacher. Right. And it's like, again, there's no universal thing. These people have some, some things to learn from, but you have to apply it to you and, and your instrument and your body and whatnot. And so I, I've always been the believer of like, I don't know about really subscribing to any one method. It's like whatever's working today. Yeah. And so I need to like make my tool belt is like, Batman as I can, yeah. and um, so I'm, I'm ready for all things. I, you know, for me, I found kind of that Meisner approach works best with with my instrument and, and and makes the most sense to me. But you know, I'd studied method acting, and and Terry he teaches. Um, his is kind of like use the tool belt, you know, and kind of work on a bunch of different things as well, but. Uh, um, but yeah, there's things that I've learned along the way that I apply to, um, everything I do now. I'm sure I'm not done learning. Yeah. Um, I also think it's, uh, you know, you talk about the ambitions earlier of like shelter being like one of those theater, like group, one of those ones that we know groundling, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's like, again, it, it's it's just like the group wanting to do Stanislavski thing 
and him being like, you know, no, you're going to be your own thing. You guys are like, as, as I keep meeting other people, um, and like, Oh, shelter, like nine times out of 10, like people I'm running into now. And partially because I've met other people and organizations through like the shelters relationship with those organizations. Um, but like a lot of people at meet, you guys have what hundreds of artists who've come through. Um, and least, yeah. yeah, like it's great. Um, I think you guys are on your way and this, uh, the weekly, there's one coming up. Um, well, I don't know when this is going to be released, but you guys monthly do, uh, play date. Mm-hmm. So like a reading of a, of a new play. Yeah. So on the 25th of June, uh, um, we're, we're reading a play by, uh, Patrick Lillis and he's, uh, He's actually, it's it's interesting to put up one of his plays because he's kind of a mentor of mine. I met him doing that Labyrinth Theater Intensive. Um, and, um, yeah, it's this great play, uh, two-hander, about the uh, the man who made the uh, the fresco painting of uh, that, that lives exactly across from the last supper so mm. nobody looks at this fresco painting and it's amazing and he was like the top fresco painter of the time but because the last supper is over there and uh so it's him and his apprentice and it's 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 beautiful and um but <clears throat> pad is a uh he runs this organization called the farm um and helps uh he brings early playwrights to think these colleges and, and he, he does a lot to help a lot of young artists. So, and he's an incredible writer. I got to do a play of his, um, back in the day called fig, um, with this, uh, theater company vertigo. And that's the other thing about out here is just like how much, uh, how many companies there are and, and how, you know, one thing I've, I've always tried to push, with the shelter is like um i i see this happen a lot with companies and and people starting things is they get really insular Mm -hmm. um something's good in some degrees about that as far as like being creative and finding an original voice you know like sometimes i'm like when i'm writing i'm like I need to not watch so much stuff so, like, my voice can be authentic or whatever. But, you know, it becomes like, oh, this is us and that's you guys. And, you know, at at our level of a company where we're not, we're not huge. I mean, there's only so much money, you know, and it's like we have to, like, go support other companies. And also, like, our members or whatever, it's like there's just not enough here to feed you. You know what I mean? You have to get involved and other things and see what's what's going out there so i'm always trying to you know the more you hang around the more people you know and everyone's doing shows so you you try to see everything you can and it's kind of a fool's errand in some ways to but um but that these companies like can really support each other i've always (laughs) i wanted to shoot this like uh uh kind of spoof like on the warriors with like these like theater companies, mm-hmm. you know, making their way through New York City, you know, and you know, and you have like the improv theater company and the like Shakespeare theater company and like like they're the gangs or whatnot. Yeah. But ultimately like that all these companies kinda need each other. Yeah. I would love to see more of a coalition or 
or things forming where people can kind of come together. That's great about stuff like like Rachel's doing it, artist co-op, and you know more the where people can rub shoulders and share resources and know that we're kind of all in it together. Yeah. Um, you know, even if you try to get people together in a sense where it's like helping try to keep rents at a certain level. I mean, yeah. Um, I think that's also good for actors. Like if, if like, especially actors new to the city, if they can get involved with the shelter or those types of companies, um, that are about collaborating with other people and companies, I think it's a much healthier way to approach being an actor. Like, you know, a lot of times auditioning, it's easy you know, if you're auditioning all the time and sometimes you're in a room with a bunch of people who are kind of look like, you know, you're kind of the same type to kind of think of it, to kind of think of other actors as your competition or enemy. And of course, you know, there's, you're competing for parts or whatever, but at the end of the day, you know, <laughs> like really like what you do, like you do your best but what you do in those audition rooms doesn't really have to do with what the outcome of whether you get the part or not at the end of the day. Like it doesn't really. And when you realize that, yeah, nobody's your, no other actors, your enemy or your competition really, because getting cast like doesn't have anything to do with what you're doing other than that. You guys both showed up. Right. And it's easy, you know, it, it, it that's, takes perspective and mm -hmm. in, in having faith and and seeing you know bigger things and you know and i have friends of mine that like <clears throat> we are definitely competitors right we're, we're competitive with each other but like in the like healthiest best sense of the word you know yeah that we actually push each other to try to like keep getting better um you know my buddy eden marishaw he's like uh and he's He's an incre incredible artist, great actor, super inspiring dude. And he was in your play, right? Yeah, he read yeah. the he, he read the fella. Yeah, and um, and uh, one of my favorite people. But we, you know, we've auditioned for things. I got one, he got one. We both auditioned for something else we didn't get, you know. And it's like, um, but when he gets something, I'm super excited for him. Yeah, you know, and and just like incredibly inspired and then it also kind of like lights a fire into my ass of like let's go yeah. you know we, <laughs> yeah I, I can't watch netflix and play video games today i need to yeah shoot he's out there doing it you mm -hmm. know so uh so that's it's important to have that but knowing that it's not like you know it, there's enough cake to go around and uh it's just about getting into it you know and, and keeping it going i often feel like as an actor it's a, you know, you, you got to play mental gymnastics with yourself sometimes. But it's, it, I, I honestly feel it's about just staying in the game. You got to figure out how to just not quit. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it. Yeah. You know, how do I not quit? And then I also feel like the success of it comes out of like, I feel like in the end, it's probably like 3% craft and it's like 97% confidence. Mm-hmm. But you don't get the confidence unless you do the preparation. You yeah. know what I mean? You can't fake it with yourself, you know? So, so like, you prepare, you do all these things so you can just be loose, free. 
and confident. Yeah, there is like even so starting like a theater company, there is a certain amount of boldness necessary. And I remember when I was 19 in some classes in Seattle and saw people doing good work. And of course, 19, I related. Well, we should talk about your play because uh, the youth guy. Um, the guy who played the youth. I was just Fantastic. Like, Man, that was that was me at nineteen. That was <laughs> me, um, and but I remember being in class with some of the people and being like, "Man, you're really good. Are you like Are you auditioning?" And it's like, "No." Like the mentality of like, "No, I'm not ready yet." And it's like, right. "Yeah, you like that's just your choice, though." You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's no reason for you not to be. Like, there are people who aren't. There are people who are not training even, who just have audacity, um, but... I think there's certain narratives we tell ourselves that are counterproductive. Like, mm-hmm. it, and it is the way it is, you know? I think I've always told myself, to be successful, you have to suffer. Right. You know what I mean? That's a story I told myself that's, like, just sort of ingrained in... Here I am. Yeah, you know that's what familiar. I mean? And I know some people that just like, and you see these people that just like go to LA or come to New York and then they just book and they just start working because I, they have the mentality is like, everything's mine. You know what I mean? Or, right. or, or whatever. And, and, and so you can start trying to change the narrative and start doing affirmations or whatnot. But some are so deeply ingrained, it is just what it is. And so then you kind of, but yeah, there's, it's like, oh, I'm not ready. I have to put in whatever the 10,000 hours or the, you know, uh, and some of that's probably true, but it's just getting to the point where you feel then like, okay, I'm ready. Yeah. And, and yeah. And then there's some people that are just never going to feel ready. Yeah. And and I don't think you ever exactly truly do. Never... I mean, I've done plays mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, you know what I mean? And I've been backstage about to go on and I'm like. I don't know if it's going to work this time. Oh, like, fuck. yeah. You know? you know? And then often I'm just like, what's my first line? Just what's my first line? Yeah. What's my first line? Have you ever had the dream? Um, it's a recurring dream I've had where I've had one where I like overslept and then came to the show like an in intermission and like vivid memories of like, what am I going to tell? Like I let everybody down. Like that's one dream. And then the other dream is where you all of a sudden are doing some big play and you show up and you don't and you know have any of the no world. idea yeah. yeah that's that actor's nightmare there's <laughs> i mean they made a play about that yeah you know um but certainly where you're just like oh, i'm just gonna make it up you know as 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 i go um yeah and actors are you know and it's like that that how fragile confidence is and mm-hmm. how fragile I mean sometimes I think about how fragile sanity is um, it's amazing like how s- civilized sometimes the city is I mean yeah there's a lot of things that aren't but you know but you know where you're just like how are we not all killing each other right um, but you know it just takes somebody lighting a car on fire and then <laughs> yeah um, and to like that, that how, how shook your confidence can get like that, you know, and I've, I've seen really, really talented actors stop because all of a sudden they, something happened, mm-hmm. whether or not they were on stage and went up and lost it. And then they're like, 
I'm done. You yeah. Know? And then I think as actors, oftentimes we're like, oh, don't, I don't want to get that. Don't touch me with that. You yeah. Know? And, uh, um, yeah um let's talk about your play a little bit um i saw the reading it was at the artist co-op um that was about a month ago i think mm-hmm. remind me the title of it i remember the whole play but uh the invisible net the invisible net that's right um how long uh you were working on that one for a while right yeah you know what I, I, <laughs> I started working on it about seven years ago I had uh, I gotten fired from a job, and me and like these three dudes that I know started doing the uh, the artist way. Yeah, and so we were doing like this kind of, and so it just kind of started this like bit of creativity. I started writing all these like kind of monologues and and these type of things, and then kind of just had this idea this this guy. I had like the title and and the kind of sort of what I imagined the ending to be, and that's about it. You know, and it was this guy outside this bar at some existential crossroads, uh, trying to figure out whether or not to go this way or that way, and and just sort of the characters inside and outside the bar that you know to some degree may represent different sides of himself or his past, his present, perhaps his future. And, um, you know, and in a long way, kind of the journey from one's head to one's heart and trying to listen to, to that, that voice as opposed to the, the mental garbage. Um, and yeah, so it has to, a, a lot to do with that, you know, a lot with whatever, other personal demons we carry around, addictions, those type of things. And uh, But I wanted it to be fun. Uh, I wanted it to, you know, I usually describe it, and people are like, oh, so what, what is it? <laughs> it's, like, it's like waiting for Godot meets Savage in Limbo. Um, <clears throat> but hopefully, you know, it's my own thing. And um, I think it's one of those plays that, I think you're either going to really like or you, it's just not your play. You know what I mean? What I try to avoid is like being like, oh, yeah, I've seen that before. That's right. Uh, it's, it's okay. Um, and um, so, yeah, I started it a long time ago. I pick it up a little bit each. And I just wrote it chronologically. Like I never, I never outlined it really. I never, you know, I would just pick it up, read it, and go, okay, here's where we are. And then this past year, you know, I was probably like, I don't know, 60 pages in. And then I was like, all right, I'm doing a reading in May. You know, we decided we were doing these play dates. And I was like, I'll take May. And so then I had a deadline and I called Eden. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're doing this. And he's yeah. like, get it, you know, because I had talked to him about this play years ago. And, uh, and so he was pumped and that's all I had. And then you know, deadlines are great. Yeah. You know, and I got that from, you know, when I did that lab intensive, Stephen Adler, he always talked about like how that's how he finishes plays. He just like calls like people he really respects and loves. And then he sets a date for a reading at his house and he's like, 
Stephen McKinley Henderson's coming over on, <laughs> I need to finish this play. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that helps. Yeah. So, um, I don't know what, 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 what were, we haven't even really talked about it too much, you know, well, what were your experiences I mean, of I, the play? I loved it. I related to it. Um, probably because I have some similar, um, kind of backstory to you. Um, which is funny just cause when I think back at starting at Ed's with you, we butt heads a little bit in the beginning. But I saw you, and I was like, "We're gonna butt heads a little bit, but we're gonna be friends because, because I like I related you, to you probably more than anybody there." Right. Um, and yeah, like that the story. I mean, it really. I, I thought it was beautiful. Definitely resonated with me. Um, and the the character, the fella, definitely resonated with me, and kind of. Um, this past year in particular kind of like a year ago or a year and a half ago, it's been kind of a whole shakeup in my life. Like, um, and so I've been kind of getting, getting back to myself or, you know, finding out who, who I am. And, and also like we were talking earlier about the habits and the bad habits and, the stories that we tell ourselves like that I have to suffer for this I definitely always had that and kind of um you know learning some of it like it's I mean some people get it earlier some people you know we have to go through our own journeys which was a great thing about that play was about the different journeys but how it's we're all kind of on the same journey we just all have to navigate it and find it at our own time but like yeah, realizing that the stories that we tell ourselves, um, they they are, they do kind of define us, but they're not necessarily who we have to be. And like, we can write new stories, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like it spoke to me. And then, yeah, the whole thing with being at the crossroads outside of the bar specifically... And for me, um, like a year, I guess it was six months before um, I started working at Ed's, like I was managing a bar for a few years and I wasn't acting. I was doing the band thing. Um, And then I did start doing, like I did a play of a friend's and the managing thing like ended. Um, I'm friends with the owners of the bar and everything and I still work there a little bit, but uh it was a shakeup like from the outside. Um, but it was a major kind of internal shakeup. And then I feel like for the past, I don't know, like period of time, I've been kind of standing outside of the bar, um, kind of feeling like the bar isn't good for me, like literally like drinking and stuff like that, which has been, with bartending and working in these New York bars for the past 10 years, like, yeah, like drinking and that culture has been a part of me, but like really what I want to do is I want to be an art, like I want to be an artist, like, and it's like the suffering and everything we, we suffer in life for sure. That's part of it. But we also have joy. We also have other things. And for me, like realizing 
yeah, there was a period of time where I wasn't doing what like the calling in my heart Mm -hmm. is telling me to do. And part of what I was doing was kind of, um, wasting time. I don't know if I would call it wasting time, but kind of, it's like idling and idling at the bar and having great conversations and meeting great and beautiful people, but not going forward, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like that play hundred percent resonated. You can go through a long phase of time where you're just like gathering groceries, but you know, it got shelf life. If you don't cook some with it, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I feel that way with like, ideas yeah you know like ideas come i always have like an idea i'm a big idea guy you know i've got 20 plays or movies or or, you know some of it's art some of it's just like oh this would be a great restaurant you know or whatever and you know if you don't do anything with them and that's why i also laugh when people get real protective of their ideas I don't know. For me, I feel like I'm some sort of channel to something bigger. I tap into something. The idea is there for anyone. And as long as the idea gets realized somehow, like if somebody else did it, you know, it's like, oh, man, I had that same idea. Yeah. It's like, well, they did it. That's amazing, right? It happened. And that's... You didn't? Exactly. And that's like, (laughs) I think, a big thing um, that I'm feeling right now. Um, And it's like a lesson of like from the outside but like looking at what you guys have built with like the shelter and what you guys have done individually like as artists but it's there's like our ideas are great um and they are for anybody and the thing is yeah do something with them and if you don't the only person you can get you can't get mad at the other person who did something with the idea the only person you can really be mad at is yourself but like don't but also don't waste time being mad at yourself like learn and also trusting that there's more ideas in in the 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 heap you know uh it's like i've also seen people like get so tied to like having to make the you know i wrote a screenplay right you know what i mean and then it's like and and all they're thinking about is this screenplay. And then it's like, or they're in a place where it's like, in a, a holding pattern, you know what I mean? Cause like people are reading it or whatever, you know? And then they're like, eh. and it's like, so what's next? Start writing the next thing. You know what I mean? You got to have another idea. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you do. You know what I mean? When we just put, there's something about putting like all your eggs in one basket, like, and committing to something, you know, but there's also like, knowing when and where I can use that time. There's, you know, it's like... It's like being able to see the bigger picture. Like, put all your put all your eggs in the big picture of, like, what you want, mm-hmm. like, to do in your life. Not the one The little thing. project. Yeah. You know, uh, this has to be this. I, You know, or, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, this theater is doing this show in December. You know, and it's like, great, go for it. You know what I mean? And then if they get it or don't get it, you know, it's like... That's not the the end of the world either way. Yeah. Even more than that play. Yeah. Um, and uh and 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 in fact the preparation that you did to like get the job, whether or not you get it or not, like that's the only thing you can just right. prepare. Yeah. And then if you don't get it, um, 
you know, all of a sudden, two years down the line, something else happens with it, or, you know, there was this, uh, I was listening to this pod, I listened to podcasts. Yeah. And Billy Crudup was talking about, he was auditioning for this Tom Stoppard play, and uh, he really wanted, you know, and he went in for the audition, and uh, and then the director gave him a note, and he, like, kind of took it, and then did it, and they're like, all right, great, and he was, like, walking out and leaving, and he's like, oh, I I just got the note. And yeah. so he called his agent. He was like, hey, can you get me back in? They gave me a note. I kind of took it. I did, but I, I, I just realized what it was. And they were like, um, okay. And they called. And they were like, no, he was great. I mean, it was, we saw what we needed to see. But he was like so obsessed with it that then he called like a friend. And they just started working on the play themselves, like in his like living room to just kind of work on it. They ended up not finding anybody. And at a certain point, like a month later, they called and they were like, yeah, we still haven't found him. You want to bring Billy back in? And he came back in and just crushed it. They're like, what was that? And he's like, I got the note and I've been working on it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and he, he was ready. You know, oftentimes we just get in the result, but it's like the work, the prep, the yeah, thing that, the that, that's, that, 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 that that's kind of where it's at, mm-hmm. you know? No. Yeah, that's a huge, just the, like, loving the process of what you're doing. Because, of course, like, you, like, there's arbitrary Yeah, if you're doing this to get famous, if you're doing this to, you know, good luck to you. You know what I mean? There's just so many of us out there, and we're in a real commercial business with that, 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 a million factors go into those type of things. So if it's not, if underneath that, there isn't like a deep desire to like explore to, to, you know, uh, you should want to do this for free in your living room. Yeah. You know, and like spend your time doing that. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to like, what do you want? Because also like, if you say you do want to be famous, Mm -hmm. there are ways to be famous. I mean, you can't control it, but there are ways to be famous where you do anything for fame. If you don't, if you yeah. really don't care, there are things you can do for sure. Um, but you're probably not going to be a good actor because you're not putting any time on like working on the craft of acting. You know, if you're just and I've gone through phases of that. You yeah. know, where it was like, I mean, I grew up kind of like I want to put in as little work as possible and get the most reward. You know, and I. I moved out to Los Angeles when I was 17. I graduated high school at semester somehow <laughs> because I didn't do much work there, but I knew how to work the angles. Yeah. You know, and I told myself and anybody who would, you know, I started doing commercials when I was like five, six years old. Yeah. So I was like, to some degree, like a big fish in a small pond in Colorado. I'd, I'd worked a lot, you know, commercials and small things. I had my SAG card. You know, <laughs> my own bank account, and and I hadn't. I got an agent, and I was going out to California, and and also like everything, like my identity was being held on like being an actor. Like that's mm-hmm. who I was gonna be. I'm gonna be an actor. I'm gonna be famous. I'm gonna win Oscars. I'm gonna whatever it was, and uh, and I went out there, and you know, and I think most people have this experience too. Is you realize that like. You know, you were the precocious, pretty good-looking kid in your town, and now you're out there with every precocious, good-looking kid in from every town, and most of them are probably better-looking than you, or they 
have more money or they've studied more places or whatever it is, their uncle's a producer. And so, and you just kind of get kicked in the face, mm. you know, cause you're, you're like, oh, I'm good looking, but I'm not like Hollywood good looking or whatever it is. And then, you know, and I, I booked a few commercials, I made some money, but then I realized like, I didn't want to work. I just wanted, I just wanted it to be handed to me. You know, like I like deserved it some way, but also in the back of my mind had that like, oh, you got to suffer, you know. And then I just partied and that was it. You know, I was, that, that was more important to me. And it was interesting because then when I moved here and like <laughs> this story is kind of embarrassing, but um, I went and met with this. Uh, uh, my buddy Pat was out here doing the show, The Black Donnelly's. And um, and so I, I came out here kind of check out New York um and and actually I, I did like a little day player on that show and then he was studying with this guy Wynn Hammond a pretty famous uh, acting coach out here and um so I went down with him. he had to pick up some sides or something he introduced me he's like this is my buddy Mike he's a not he's an actor and, and I'm like I'm like I'm like in my like Broncos jersey and some shorts and stuff, and and Wynn's like, oh, you're an actor here. Let's go in the other room. Do some monologues for me. And I was like, okay. And like at that point, I maybe had two monologues memorized. One was this one that I wrote, <clears throat> and the other was <laughs> this monologue from Henry the Fourth Part Two. It was a Prince Hal monologue. Now, context. I'm not like trained. In any type of Shakespeare, in any type of way, I just happened to relate to this monologue, and I liked it, and for some reason I had it memorized. So I'm sitting here with him, and I was like, which monologue should I do? I was like, I should probably go with the Shakespeare <laughs> in my Bronco jersey. And I do this Prince Hal monologue, and uh, he turns to me and he goes, I don't know what that was, <laughs> but it wasn't Shakespeare. <laughs> wow. And I was like... Uh, and then I think I did the, the one I wrote, and he was just like, yeah, I don't think you're ready for my class. And and I was like, I think I'm going to quit acting. Um, and, uh, and I went home, and I was just kind of like, all right, what else could I do? And then I thought of a few things that like, oh, you know what, I could, I could teach, or I could do... I don't know, maybe I could get into this spiritual field or something. I, I don't know. But all of a sudden, some, some ideas kind of came. And then it was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, you know what? I think I want to act. And all of a sudden, I didn't have like this lifelong pressure. I was able to take know that I could go do something else if I wanted to. Like, there were other options. That wouldn't be failure. So then I got to do what I wanted to do. And then it was like, all right, well, let's go get better. Yeah. And then and then a week later I went to T Shriver Studios and auditioned for them and then that was that was scary in itself just cuz like to get up and try to do a monologue again for somebody. Right. And Sally was like I want this dude in my class and and then that that started that whole thing. But, you know, just that idea of uh uh the pressure sometimes we put on ourselves of what it is you know, because yeah, like everyone in my town, like you know, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be whatever, you know. And then, and you come home for a while. I was like, oh, I saw your commercial. I saw your thing, 
And then you haven't booked a commercial for four years. Yeah. And it's like, hey, what's uh, is there anything else? Uh, what uh, remember <laughs> yeah. the commercial you did? Mm-hmm. Uh, when when were we gonna see you in something? You ain't gonna see me in anything. I ain't doing shit. Fuck, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you start getting bitter for a little while, and then was fortunately able to go like find that joy of the thing that you know wasn't about. Because I remember even moving to New York, and people were like, "What are you? Whoa." whoa. Why are you going to New York? There's nothing. Like, at that time, there wasn't... There's a lot of stuff shooting here and things like that. But people are like, you're crazy. Why are you, you know, it's all in L.A., you know? And I was like, I don't know. Someone's calling me out there. I feel like it's an oversimplification, but I do feel like, in general... Because there's there's a lot of cool stuff happening. I think L.A. is changing a little bit now, especially with, like, the comedy scenes and stuff like that. And I love L.A. I mean, and there's incredible artists there. Yeah, but I do think in general, there's something about New York, like historically and kind of presently. And I think it's because we're so packed together. Like you have the ability to work with so many different people um, more easily because you're not you don't have to commute everywhere. I mean, we're commuting, but, you know, with the trains and the, the taxis, everything's here. Everything's right here. Um, so that there's, I feel like the thing with New York versus LA, like in general is like a lot of people move to LA to be famous and a lot of people move to New York to kind of, to be great. Like basically like to, to get better as an artist. I think in a general sense, that's true. And, and also like as an actor in LA, there's certain people that move to LA just to be famous. Right. That has nothing to even do with acting. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's that gold rush mentality. And so as an actor, you get thrown in with this Mm -hmm. whole other group of people. I remember being out there and almost being embarrassed to say I was an actor. Right. You know, I'd be like, Oh no, I write and (laughs) or whatever. And in New York, you like say you're an actor and people are like, oh, cool. You know, they just assume you've studied and, and you take it seriously. And, and I think art is taken a little more seriously here. And I think, I, but I think, yeah, in L.A., everything's, they're just much more business oriented. Mm-hmm. And here, there, people are more craft oriented. I think each coast could kind of learn right. a little from each other because, you know, no one's, there's, some people are doing theater out there, but more they're like, why would I do that? We could shoot a short film and that lives forever. And then I can use that and show those to people. And, you know, and this, and here people are like, well, I just want to work. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, but both. Yeah. We, you might be able to learn some from some of the other things. Absolutely. Um, Where's the best place for people to find out stuff, like, to follow you? Um, so for me, I guess, you know, I, I, I have a website, michaelkingsbaker.com, um, on Instagram. Um, you know, all the stuff, the shelters at the shelternyc.org. And, um, yeah, uh, those are the... Those are the spots for the most part. Yeah. Um, no. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about today? You know, I think, you know, we, we touched on it, that, that, that community aspect of, of 
the shelter and, and, you know, art in general. I think one of the favorite things I've seen from people coming to the shelter is seeing people meet for like the first time. And then those guys go off and do something that's completely disconnected from say the shelter. And that's what I like about us. Um, you know, and we produce plays and we do some things, but more than anything, we just provide a place for people to kind of come together and, and meet up, you know, our friend Kate, who has that podcast or another friend, Rachel mm-hmm. Carey met, they, they just shot a film, um, that's uh being shopped around film festivals right now about like uh the uh the, the ask for jane um kind of a uh, the, the women's group that were helping women get abortions back in the 60s and stuff like that and um so i love seeing those type of things happen and then um, and also like the other like small theater companies around town and and people that you know, there's so much good theater in New York where we get spoiled, you know, from all types of levels, big stuff to to really small stuff to the, you know, I love, like, companies like Soho Rep and, and St. Anne's where, like, I, like, truly go to get inspired and then have companies, like, that, that my friends run, you know, stuff like, like that company Vertigo or there's company nylon fusion and this company stable cable and um people that are like out there trying to like do it you know there's a company ruddy they also have like a a a a gym where people meet up very similar to the shelter you know it's like we didn't like start something that's so profound you know there's other people doing it and and it's it's good to see them do it and thrive because I think often when I think about the shelter, what I'm most proud of is that we're just hung around, you mm-hmm. know. You, you have an idea of like, oh, let's do a play. And you realize like how hard and thankless creating theater is. That, you know, oftentimes people just drive each other nuts and they're like, I'm never doing that again. Mm-hmm. And... um Fortunately for me, I work with people I really love and really respect, and we've been able to uh, keep this thing thing going. You know, Dave Langford, um, he's, I honestly think we have like the most beautiful theater website in the world. And, uh, and he's kind of created that. And we have, you know, our newsletter that we send out each week he curates, I mean, we kind of send articles when we find stuff, but, like, there's just, you can always stay in touch with, like, really cool articles and, and things like that, and we try to promote anybody we know doing things and just be kind of a beacon of light of, like, this is what's going on in theater, here's so-and-so's doing this show, so-and-so's doing that show. And then, like, and Megan Jones, the co-artistic director, is just, like, for one, like, one of my most favorite actresses around. And it was, it took us about eight years to finally like get to do a play together. Um, and, uh, and we're a good yin and yang as far as, you know, she's, everyone just, everyone loves her. She's like the nicest, sweetest person in the world. Yeah. And then I'm kind of the people guy, like people tolerate. <laughs> <laughs> 
But, you know, they, I, I'm usually one that will kind of stir up things and, and, and kind of like, you know, try to light fires. And she's the one that kind of like keeps us together, you know. So, um, but yeah, community, go find yours, you know. And if you, if you can't find it, then build it, you know. And, and then having the consistency of, you know, because I think that that's the problem. It's like, you know, we've had shelters where it was like me and Dave Langford there. You yeah. know, and so he's doing a monologue from the faith healer and I had my camera, so I was just shooting photos. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you're going to have days like that and you're going to have it's still good, like putting in those reps could still be good. Well, like the... And not being disheartened and not mm-hmm. quitting, not shutting the doors. You know, we we've had shows where we perform for like a reviewer and one other person. You know, we did the show the flamboyant and there was two people in the audience you know what i mean you got to like pump yourself up to go out and do it yeah you know and then we've had sold out houses and big ones you know so it's like being willing to like really ride those things out but if you love it you know you, you will and you know build what they will come that sort of thing yep cool all right uh any final thoughts um, no, I'm, you know, I'm glad you're doing this thing and, 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 and being consistent with it and, and look forward to, to meeting more people. Sunday nights, we meet at, uh, uh, T. Schreiber Studios, uh, it's on uh, 26th Street, 151 West 26th Street, up on the 10th floor. We're there 630, 1030. Come, uh, come and work with us and. And they can bring, uh, 10 pages. They can bring a monologue. They can bring a song. They can bring pretty much anything creative, and yeah, you can bring in a scene. You yeah. know, if you want to, you know, work on that. We usually do like it's kind of like ten minutes of work, ten minutes of talk, and and you can hear from us or not. You know, it's good to have like an idea of what it is you're really working on. Um, you know, the time is more for you. So, but you know, or you got like an audition that week for like Blue Buds or something. It's nice to get it up in front of some people before you have to walk in that room. And like actually be in front of some people. Yeah. Like, Gosh, I'm so good in my shower. I was so good, at, <laughs> you know, in my mirror. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, to get those words out of your mouth, and and then you know, I think it can help uh, fuse that that confidence going into the thing. And people are just, I think, really loving there. You know, it's it's a good group of people, and um, you know, keep it growing. Yep. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Um, pleasure having you on here um thank you for you know creating the shelter with with them and doing that and thank you for inviting me into that community like i'm really grateful and happy to be there yeah man it was great to have you in that last peep show and hopefully we'll find some more opportunities for for some things so uh, it's good to see you writing yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that, too. That's the other thing about Shelter is, like, you know, most of us, we came in as actors. You know, the, the Invisible Net, that's my first full-length play. I've written a bunch of shorts and stuff, you know, and it's like, I was, I was an actor, you know, and then I've gotten opportunities now to direct. I've gotten opportunities to write, and sometimes we get to expand the, the idea of who, the narrative of who it is we are. Yeah. You know, and I've seen certain people that were primarily something and now if you talk to them they would say i'm primarily this other thing megan's husband i forget his name because jonathan yeah um they have a kid so but the first time i was there megan wasn't there and he was actually in the hallway when i came in so he was the first person outside of you that i met and i was talking with him before we went in 
And yeah, he told me that he came in primarily as an actor and is now primarily a writer. And I was like, that's well, really interesting. He, Jonathan actually, he was a he came in more as a film director. He mm-hmm. went to NYU film school, and that's how him and Megan met. And then he started writing for us. And he and he he's also designed like I would say almost all, if not all, of our like poster art. And he's an incredible illustrator. And we did our very first full-length play was this radio play of this. It, it was called uh, "Adventures of Lily and Cosmo," and it's like a, kind of a play to like the Buck Rogers era of science fiction. And uh, and so now he's actually just turned that into a children's book right. and got picked up by Simon and Schuster. It'll be coming out in October. Nice. And I think that's called "Lily and Cosmo in Outer Outer Space," and it's so dope. Yeah. And, um, um, but yeah, he's the artists that are there. It, it, sometimes I'm in awe, like uh, how great a lot of the people are that that are there and what they do. Um, so, cool. Yep, the wolves are going. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Mike. Thank you very much. Oh man, thanks for having me. This beautiful thing. And you I'll got be going seeing on. you, of course, uh, Sunday, and I'll see you in Soho before then. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, man. So that was my conversation with Michael Kingsbaker. And if you're listening to this the day it comes out, if you're listening to this today and it's Monday, June 25th, come on out to the tank at 312 West 36th Street. There's a reading. It's one of the shelter's monthly playdates. It's called Remember Me When You Enter Your Kingdom, written by Padraic Lillis. And that's happening from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Uh, you can find the links to that and more information uh, in the show notes um, or at shelternyc.org. Um, also, every Sunday, the Sunday workshop that we were talking about, it happens every Sunday. If you go to the shelter website, which you can find in the show notes of this page um, or the Facebook group, um, you can get more information there. But, yeah, it's every Sunday, um, Terry Schreiber Studios in Manhattan from about 6.30 to 9.30, 10, depending. Um, Come on through. Like, it's a great place, great workshop for theater artists. But whatever you do, uh, keep keep doing your thing. Keep pursuing it. Connect with others. Build it. Be it. And just keep going with it. We need you. We need more artists, and we need to connect with each other. Let's build some bridges and create great art. Thank you very much again for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. Um, I'll be here every Monday and Thursday. All right. Take care. Peace. <laughs>